Hey everybody, welcome to episode 35 of the podcast that goes Nick. I'm your host, Jason. Does everybody know my secret identity, Venable? And I'm joined once again by Cameron, the end of all that is, Sinclair. Wait, are we recording now? Yeah. Oh, hey, what's going on? <laughs> hey, man. Alright, so we're ready to do another flashback episode. Now take a small detour. We call this, um, this in the last episode, Wolverine Year Three and a Half. Um, of course, we did the Wolverine meet Spider-Man last time. That was technically during Wolverine's third year. And this one is also technically during Wolverine's third year, or two of the three issues. Um, but I wanted to take kind of a a detour and talk about the introduction of a character that I feel like is pretty important to the Wolverine mythos, and that being Sabretooth. You can call this great moments in Wolverine history. <laughs> yes, you could. That's that's why I have a historian on on the site here. <laughs> anyway, we're going to talk about that, and that kind of coincides because Sabretooth actually first appears in Iron Fist 14. And that coincides with the X-Men guest appearance in Iron Fist 15. But the thing is, why I was reading that, and this is kind of silly, but there's a very big spoiler in Iron Fist 15, which came out during Wolverine's third year. A whole... (laughs) If I was reading that thing, this would have pissed me off. But a whole four months before X-Men 108 comes out, but it completely gives away the ending to X-Men 108, which comes out four months later. <laughs> yeah, disappointing. So, so we decided to take uh, X-Men 108 and plug it into this episode. That actually works because then it'll make the uh, year four episode a little more manageable. Because right at the end of the fourth year of Wolverine's publishing history is when X-Men starts going monthly. Uh-huh, so... Yeah. You know, after year four, we'll probably start doing half years, so we can still keep it kind of manageable. Or five-hour marathon podcasts. That, too, is a possibility. We get some hats with some water built in them, you know, with a little... <laughs> or those backpacks with the runner's backpacks with the there water you go, tubes. The camel bags. The camel bags, or and we'll camel just... Camel packs, whatever they're called. Camel toes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they're called camel toes. I oh, could I be wrong. I could be wrong, right? I don't think so. But anyway, so that's what we're going to do that long and lengthy explanation, all that just to get us to uh, Iron Fist number 14. So let's go ahead and get to that. Okay, so we're going to start off with Sabretooth's first appearance in Iron Fist number 14 from August of 1977. And this is called Snow Fire kind of a paradox an oxymoron if you would <laughs> I ain't no oxymoron <laughs> what was that movie called I don't remember it was the one that Is Danny DeVito was it Renaissance Man oh maybe so yeah I think so I don't even barely even remember that movie <laughs> anyway Iron Fist from the 90s <laughs> yes yes it is Iron Fist 14 is written by the X-Men's own Chris Claremont Art by John Byrne. And of course, read, uh, not readers, listeners will remember from last episode he was doing the Marvel team-up stuff. 
Eat by Dan Green. Letters by Annette Kavecki. Kawecki? I don't know how you say that. You want to take a stab? I, I think Kawecki sounds good. Okay. Colors by Janice Cohen. And the editor is Archie Goodwin. So, Not Credited is a cover by the X-Men's own Dave Cockrum. What do you think about this cover, Cameron? It is a great cover. I think it's a pretty awesome cover myself. Um, basically, what you have is is like a snowy mountainside. And you have white snow, white doom. And then you have Sabretooth uh, talking on the cover. He says, you're a snow blind hero. Your flaming fist means nothing now. Well, you have Sabretooth uh, slicing with his claws across a uh, Iron Fist belly, I guess. In his in his full seventies glory, with the long, yes. shaggy, whatever you call that. Or oh, saber tooth, you mean? Saber tooth, yeah. yeah. Well, both yeah. of them, but especially oh, yeah. saber tooth, with the then, with the feathered hair and. Yeah, 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 but um, yeah, he's got the fur trim on his, his yeah trim legs, there. arms, and shoulders. And then Iron Fist has a very pained look, and he's seeing stars. I guess that's to represent being snowblind. Which is a spoiler alert. Yeah, it kind of is. But cover spoiler. <laughs> but it's introducing the savagery of Sabretooth. I can't help but notice on the cover, and we'll we'll look again as we go through this, but I don't think it lasts. But on the cover, Sabretooth's name has a hyphen in it. Yeah, that's true. I don't. I think they. If I remember correctly, I think they get rid of that pretty fast. I don't think I don't think he's saber tooth like a regular word from the beginning in the comic. But I don't know. We'll see when we get in there. Yeah, I can't we remember. We'll see. Um but anyway, I you know, I'm actually for being known as an X Men artist and this not having at this point anything to do with the X Men at all, this is actually I one probably one of my favorite Cockrum covers that we've had. Yeah. It's a great cover. So Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's get into it. So basically, we're in uh, Canada, and Iron Fist is playing with his girlfriend on the playground. He's pulling her hair. <laughs> he's like, ah! It does look like he's he's abusing her. He's about to slam her into the ground. Right, right. But actually, no. Lo and behold, Iron Fist, I'm hit. Uh, what's this girl's name? Colleen Wing has been shot. And Iron Fist, very intelligently, is running through the snow in his slippers. <laughs> it does look like he has house shoes on. Yes, all the time. One of my favorite things about Iron Fist. <laughs> so they get shot, and they go tumbling down the mountain. Turns out it's Snake Eyes that shoots them. Yes. <laughs> it is Snake Eyes. But then you know it's not really Snake Eyes because he talks. And he has a mustache. Yes, and a mustache. I gotta say, I uh, I thought these assassins. What? (laughs) Just naming off GI Joes with mustache. (laughs) Bazooka. Bazooka. (laughs) Bazooka, Wild Bill, and um, Cutter. That's the first one I thought of. Yeah, that's the one with the Red Sox hat. Uh, yeah, the The hovercraft guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? I don't know. I'm sure there's more. Mutt. Yeah, he had a. All right, well, that's, that's enough of that. Um, I got to say, though, I enjoy the uh, John Byrne assassins. Yeah, I do, too. And that's not the first time I'll comment positively on John Byrne's art. I'm a 
This is pretty a good... big John Byrne fan, especially his seventies and eighties stuff. Yeah, this is, and this particularly, I think, is a good this this issue is a good specimen. Yes, very much art. so. All right, so we but the assassins decide that well, we just winged them, but a blizzard's coming. We need to get inside, or we're gonna die. And they're wounded, so they have no chance. So we'll just let the blizzard take care of them. Famous last words. Famous last words. Dumbass villains. I do think it's funny that while they're talking about that, Iron, I love this panel of Iron Fist like looking out of the corner of his eye, yeah. like up the top of the mountain. All right, so then basically Iron Fist pulls Colleen up, and he's gonna they're gonna trudge through the snow. Something about they think there's a cabin somewhere. Kind of in the vicinity, so they're gonna go, they're gonna go looking for it. Oh, I also said on page three they they mentioned snow cats, so another GI <laughs> reference. Yeah, that's true. They call them snow cats. I was gonna say on page this next page four here. He says, Iron Man says about Colleen that she's unconscious, going into shock. She could be concussed. Right. Like Is that the proper concussion. way to use that? Uh, I think so. Okay. Because rarely, usually it's always to have a concussion. I, I right. got a concussion, I have a concussion. I don't know if I've ever heard it used as a verb to yeah, be concussed, know. but I don't know. So, so it's in, in what's going to probably be a smattering of G.I. Joe references, this mask that Iron Fist had is, what's the guy's, the ninjas, is it Slice and Dice that had those? I don't remember. From Ninja Force? Yeah. Yeah. Back when G.I. Joe got bad. Yes. They had fluorescent ninjas. I tried to, I've blocked out most of that. Yeah. I, I do think there's a funny thing here where uh, Colleen talks about she just has a flesh wound to the skull. <laughs> I thought that was really funny too. <laughs> Is there such a thing as a flesh wound to the skull? And well, she talks about like she just got a scratch, but then immediately passes out. Right, right. But that also made me think of a what's is it massive massive head wound Harry is <laughs> from <that>? SNL <laughs> massive head wound Harry that's a classic Dana Carvey skit yes well, I said something about Iron Fist they decided they're going to to their plan is to draw the gunmen into the rocks because he says among the rocks their guns would have been less their guns would have been useless against my martial skills yeah I thought that was odd that like. Somehow the rocks would automatically make the bullets not work. Well, I guess the idea is that he could hide behind the rocks and sneak up on them. Yeah, I guess so. Whereas I guess out in the open, they could just shoot at him. Right. I guess we're talking about giant rocks. But useless is too strong of a term. <laughs> yeah. These are very big rocks. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Useless is definitely too strong. All right. So we have a flashback to some dragon kung fu dude. And he takes Iron Fist out. We get a really cool panel of the Iron Fist energy. Where he, like, the bad guy steals some from Iron Fist. thought that was a really cool drawing. I want to disagree with you. You don't like it? I think like it? looks ridiculous. Because oh. it looked like it's a long-lost friends giving each other a very intimate hug. Well, it's kind of homoerotic, right? I don't mind that part. Especially the butt. It's very chiseled. <laughs> chiseled butt drawing here. Like Gason. Uh, not Gason. The bad guy is smiling Ace while he and hugs Gary. him. Yeah. <laughs> Ambiguously gay duo. Yeah. I get hit all kinds of SNL references tonight. Yeah, uh, but yeah, to me that looked it looks far too intimate. Like they're they're okay. uh, they're sharing. Well, they're chest bumping. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. Why does he have to pull his chest to his chest? For the I think something about their tattoos. 
And I oh, could just be making that up because it's not in the story. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that would make sense, but because it's basically stealing his chi by giving him a hug. Right. Which I found to be bizarre. Come here, I need, I need to tell you something. <laughs> you will not steal my chi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, much I will. Uh, so anyway, they, they find the cabin and he immediately kicks the door in because, you know, you don't want to close that behind you in the blizzard. Yeah. But, well, he says he can't fumble with the keys because that would take seconds. Right. So he's gonna kick the door open with a thwack. That was pretty funny. Yeah. So anyway, they and just, Colleen wakes up. She's oh. like barely, barely alive, and well, then all of a sudden she gets inside yeah. and she's talking normal. Her her concussion thaws out. It went away. <laughs> just a temporary concussion. Right. Right. So then we get a very uh, snake eyes thing where. Uh, they go into a Zen trance to fight off the cold, I yeah. guess. I guess in Ninja War that kind of works. That's the thing, right? Like they slow their heartbeat down. That's a thing. So they're not but expending I don't, energy. But I don't know why that would protect them from the cold. Right. The cold would still, you'd still get, it frostbite, seems to me, you'd right? still get frostbite. Your body would still break down. You the just, frostbite just has if nothing to do with your, does it have to do with your blood flow? A little bit, but uh, the, but slowing down your pulse would actually increase the frostbite true, because the because warmth of no your warmth. blood, right? Yeah. So by that, mm. your body would your body would get colder. <laughs> so I that to me that didn't make any sense. Okay. Well, anyway, they're able to do that because I guess they've, in past issues they've had a mind meld. But if you're if there's a Zen master listening and they and this is a real thing. Please write in. Write in. Let us know. I want to know. I would, if, I, if that's possible, I'd like to do it. Because I hate the cold. And if I could protect myself from the cold by going into a Zen trance, that would be useful. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll study up and learn it. Yeah. All right. So um, then I guess we get another flashback of them coming to Canada. They're doing something with the lawyer protecting somebody. I kind of skimmed over that. The basic storyline of... Of the somebody stealing from the Rand Corporation, Iron Fist right? Corporation, yeah, right, because that's his company. Yes. So there was a lawyer looking into who's doing it, and now that guy's in danger. It's not. I don't know really. I think that's this is what I got out of it. Right. The, this lawyer's looking into who's stealing from Rand Corporation. So I guess whoever's stealing from Rand Corporation is trying to get the lawyer. Right. I gotta Google something real fast. Right. Is 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 the Calgary International Airport? Is that in? Is Calgary a city or an area? It's a city, Calgary, Canada. All right, so I'm assuming the airport then is going to be in Calgary. I would think so. Okay, that little needle thing's in Toronto, right? Oh, uh, I don't know. Isn't that the, like the, that part of the skyline? Or is that the Seattle one? I think Toronto has a needle too, though, don't they? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I so. But I don't know how close Calgary is to Toronto. I don't I think, think it's close. That close. <laughs> I don't think so either. So anyway, but that, maybe that's just the name of an airport. I don't know. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I gave up on the Google. But so. I'm almost positive that Calgary is a city because they have a hockey team. Well, Pat, Pat's from Canada. He's a Facebook fan. Uh, let us know if there's also a giant space needle in Calgary, or if the Toronto airport stole Calgary's name, or if John Byrne just messed up. <laughs> Yeah. Those are kind of our three options. So yeah, It's got to be one of those three. So yes. don't try to give us a different explanation. Yeah, o- Option four will be uh, discredited, <laughs> and I will embarrass you in front of your family and friends. <laughs> this will be the last time you cross us, Pat. 
<laughs> Just kidding. You've been super helpful. So watching you help us out again. All right. So uh, helicopter, they get off and they're met at the Rand place. And we get our first appearance of Sabretooth. Hyphen. Oh, there is a hyphen. Son of a biscuit. All right. Well, so Sabretooth has captured the lawyer. I did think it was funny that um this probably isn't done yet, and I'll notice that other characters say this too, so I guess it's just kind of a uh, misogynistic word that maybe was tossed around in the 70s. But the assassins say, freeze, frail, referring to Colleen. Yeah, and Wolverine says that. Wolverine says it later, but to this day, Sabretooth still says that. So to me... My first thought was, oh, okay, so the the guards are, like, talking like their boss. I try to impress them yeah. or whatever. And then See, it I, turns out that I think it's just a 70s term, and Sabretooth just hung on to it for whatever yeah. reason. I thought, I guess I've never realized that it specifically meant women. Oh, yeah. I always assumed Sabretooth meant it as in humans. It's just oh. that frail, the frailty of non-mutants. No, I think he means... But in, in, this, in these comics, clearly it's specifically female, so... Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Right. All right. Well, so, um, anyway, what do you think of uh, our first glimpse of Sabretooth here? That's pretty good. I mean, he's standing there. He's, a, he's on top of a podium, so he's very imposing. Right. You know, he's looking at him. They shout Sabretooth for some reason. Yeah. I dig this, uh, this first version of his costume. I do, too. That's why I was saying this hit all 70s glory. I, I like this. <laughs> This is one of my favorite versions of, of uh, Sabretooth. Yeah, it's up there. I don't know if it's my very favorite, but it's definitely definitely at the, yeah, towards it's, the it's top of the list. So. Well, I like that we get... with uh, you get Sabretooth comes out, and he's in full effect. We get right. a bub oh, right yeah. off the bat. The right. connections with, with, uh, with um, Wolverine. He talks about his heightened senses here in just a second. Yes. He's got the claws... He's got the kind of same kind of banter as Wolverine. So yeah. They really, you get the feeling that he's, even though it's in Iron Fist, they're setting up him up to be Wolverine's great nemesis. Now, I don't know if that's well, what they meant. We'll talk about that a little more later. Yeah. I, I see some of that, and but there's some interesting, the way we get there is pretty interesting. Yeah. But, um, well, it could, because it could also just be he's designed to be a Wolverine type character. Right, right. So, so I don't know if that, like it was the original the plan. Cloth. Yeah, if, if the original plan was someone was just, well, Wolverine's popular, so let's come up with a villain who's kind of like him. <laughs> right. Or if there's well, a long-term the, John Byrne and uh, Chris Claremont, I guess, invented Sabretooth. Yeah. And they were both big Wolverine fans, and neither of them invented Wolverine, so maybe it was kind of their, yeah. uh, their go with it. I, the, the I, kind of, I get the feeling that it was intended to be, ultimately, he's going to be a Wolverine in the same way the Wolverine shows up in Hulk, but it was right. intended to be part of the X-Men. Right. I kind of feel like it's the same thing here. Right. Well, we'll definitely talk more about that. I mostly agree with you. And we'll, uh, I'll convince you. We'll get to that later. I do. The only thing I don't like, and this is probably my only artistic criticism of the whole book, is that this first view of Sabretooth's face from the side, he has no nose. Yeah, he is noseless. Like he's very, his face is very flat. Yeah, Other than that, I think picture. the art in this book is fantastic. Yeah. But, um, maybe he was just turned a little bit more to the side so the yeah, nose is more so. hidden. I don't know. But yeah, I agree with you. Anyway, but he decides he's going to take Daniel Rand and um, 
calling Wynn prisoner. I do like that they talk about his reputation. Like he's preceded, but like he's well known right. as a freebooter, a modern day pirate. For the right price, you'll rip off anything, Colleen Wing says. And he's like, quite true. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yep, that's my that rep. That's me. Which I really like that. And we'll talk more about that later, too. But um, I thought that was a really cool introduction to Sabretooth. I agree. So eventually, Iron Fist breaks free. And we get this very interesting thing where through their mind meld, Colleen Wing is able to do his kung fu. Yeah, there's some weird stuff Mighty with the mind convenient meld thing. mind melding in this yeah. book. They decide they're going to go try to free the lawyer. But Sabretooth gets in the way. And then uh, Iron Fist and Sabretooth fight. And Iron Fist gets enough of an upper hand to escape. And they ride off on a snowmobile. And Sabretooth sends his goons after him, dead or alive. What do you think of this first few panels of Sabretooth in action? It's good stuff. Yeah, it is. They do a pretty good job, I think. Of, I like the, the aerial view. Yeah, that was a cool. A couple of panels. Although I don't think it's very Sabretooth to send goons after them. Yeah. It seems to me the more modern version of Sabretooth is he would want to be the one to hunt them down personally and right. eat part of them. But he had more important things to do at this time. It, it, True. He's got to worry about the lawyer. Let's, let's just get to it. This Sabretooth is more in charge yeah. than future iterations of the character. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and we'll... We'll talk more about that. I keep saying we'll talk more about stuff later, and we will. But um, This is just the intro. Yeah. Right. We're still doing the intro. <laughs> <laughs> right? All right, so uh, we see the goons that in the next morning they find the cabin, and uh, they basically say, "We, oh, he, you're right, his name is still hyphenated here. Yeah, they keep hyphenating it. Okay, interesting. All right. Then the guy again. This has got to be a different guard, right? Yeah, because he Sabretooth like, killed the other two. Oh, both of them? Uh, they, well, they okay. said, you saw what happened to so-and-so when they came back with nothing. So the, right. apparently those other guys who were like, we're going to freeze Oh, yeah, Sid and Joe. So now he sends out a dude and conveniently a woman. Yeah, perfect. So that we well, no, don't want to get to that yet. But anyway, um, it's funny, though, that they make the same mistake, more or less. And the other guards didn't bring them in because they said, oh, they're hurt. The wizard will kill them. Yeah. These guys say, oh, there's no way with the windshield <laughs> factor. They had to have died. Yep. Famous last words again. And then Iron Fist hits them with the Iron Fist. And luckily there was a woman because Iron Fist and Colleen Wing are going to put the uniforms on. Yep. Perfect and, size and everything. Yeah. And apparently there's there's room... There's ample room for a supple bosom in these uniforms. Yeah, well, that's the, that's why you needed the. Yeah, the that's why she guard. couldn't just put on a dude uniform. Right. It had to be the girl. Then they tie, <laughs> they tie them up in um, sleeping bags. Yeah, it doesn't really look like sleeping bags. It's it looks like, like those they, giant camping sleeping bags where you zip oh, everything up around your face. You sleep, like, you sleep like a mummy. Yeah. Okay. It's weird because they give a really long explanation of how those people are not going to die. Well, yeah, because they're heroes. They can't but it's just be... funny that it's like they didn't they didn't even want the reader to think for a second that right. Iron Fist would leave someone to die. No, no way. No so we got to have a whole panel full of explanation of, of why <laughs> they'll be okay and the rangers are going to check the cabin after the blizzard and blah, blah, blah. Right. But 
They don't have any time to do anything else. Nope. No time. Time to wrap them up and That's it. That cradle took, them like that babies. That took but. too long as it was. All right, so I guess we can come back and Sabretooth's getting ready to evacuate the base and take the lawyer away. But they show up and they decide they're going to split up, right? Yeah. So Iron Fist is going to go after the lawyer and Colleen is going to go back to the base. But Sabretooth realizes and goes, you, you're wearing Garrett's uniform but you're not him. You and the wing broad came in as ringers, and you're a superhero to boot, he says. He slashes open the uniform to reveal Iron Fist's chest. I really like this face by John Byrne here. Yeah, it's Saber-tooth. the Sabretooth crazy face where he's yeah. getting, getting to the, his version of the Berserker. Right. I love the way John Byrne really, like you really get like the motion, almost like the cat-like motion of Sabretooth using his claws. Yeah. Like his... I don't know. I just it's really cool, really dynamic. I mean, John Byrne's great at action, and he delivers with Sabretooth for sure. Yeah. So then we can get uh, Iron Fist and Sabretooth going back and forth. So they make a big deal in these couple of panels here about Sabretooth being named after the Sabretooth right. tiger, the, the actual animal. And they call it the ultimate killing machine, that the Sabretooth tiger was the ultimate killing machine. Oh, yeah, until it went extinct. Right. Well, I guess my question is, is that a thing? Sabretooth tiger, is there, are they really that much more fearsome than just a tiger? I mean, they have big fangs. But... Yeah, and they're bigger. Yeah, but there's Tyrannosaurus Rex. Pick one up and throw it around. <laughs> Honey badger, they don't care, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just it's just weird that it's like the Sabretooth tiger. This is the ultimate killing machine. Like, well, it's the apex predator, but right. it's and just a tiger. Right, you think that Iron Fist would say, oh, no, a dragon. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. But anyway, I don't know why that caught my eye, but for some reason I thought it was it was a weird thing they're making a big deal out of the saber tooth tiger. Well is he is he saying that or is he saying he's like a human saber tooth tiger? He's an ultimate killing machine. Like is it is it an SAT type direct correlation? <laughs> Maybe. Either way, just the fact that him being like a saber tooth tiger. Right. I guess I don't see I don't see the correlation of, of a saber tooth tiger of being particularly the ultimate killing machine. Right. But whatever. Uh-huh. I would, I've never I would faced agree one, in the Marvel so. Universe that Sabretooth is definitely an ultimate killing machine. Yes, I would agree with that. As as is Wolverine, though. Yes. So. so anyway, this fight's pretty cool. Uh, they both kind of get in some good blows. And um, Some sound effects there. Yes. Then when you switch over, there's some explosions. Uh, Iron Fist saves a warrior, and Sabretooth runs out onto the glacier. And Iron Fist is like, well, that was dumb. I'm just going to go catch him. Yep. And what he doesn't realize is Sabretooth has timed his escape to the sunrise. Yeah, perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. And as the sun comes up, just like the cover promised, Iron Fist is suckered into being snow blind. I yeah. really like this panel of Iron Smith too. in a complete white panel. I like that too. Right, showing that he can't see anything. It's really, really cool. Then Sabretooth sabotages him by cutting him in the back. You get a little bit little bit of blood, it looks like. You know, it's colored that way, yeah. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly for a, a seventy seven comic book. Yeah, although there's this is pretty blood red too, so maybe it's supposed to just be like power. Oh, right. But it look it looks like blood. I'm in my eyes it's blood. 
Me too. Sabertooth drew first blood here. Um, I like that he keeps calling Iron Fist hero. Yeah. Just generic hero. So this Sabertooth's pretty smart, too. Yeah. That different writers treat his intelligence differently. Yeah. But I like him being really cunning. Yeah, I do too. Um, well, he, he's a better match for Wolverine in that way. Right. When he's just kind of the brute berserker, so which is the, cool too. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, he explains that, that Iron Fist is, is snowblind, his optic nerves overloaded by the glare. It's only temporary, but you won't live to recover. It's a very Sabertooth thing to say. Yeah. And then <laughs> Iron Fist thinks something that's kind of dumb, I think. He talks about how Sabertooth has all this power and speed, but no combat technique. Yeah. Which, okay, whatever. But then he says, if I had my eyes, this would be no contest. <laughs> I thought that too. But now I'm calling BS on that. Yeah. Well, the rest of the comic, he's been fighting him with his eyes. Right. And has yet to defeat him. I mean, personally, I like Sabretooth better, so I'm going to say that Sabretooth would kill him. I, I think so, too. In a too. fair fight. But... Whatever, he's not going to lose in his own comic Well, book. even with the... He, I mean, you factor in now, we don't have healing factor yet. No, we don't. Really, but... No, we don't. So in the theoretical universe, even with Iron Fist's Super Iron Punch... Right. With Sabretooth's healing factor, it really wouldn't matter that much. Right. So Iron Fist decides to draw on his Iron Fist, but Sabretooth distracts him, I guess? No, he was too tired. He was oh, already that's right, that's out. right, because it draws his chi out and he gets exhausted. Which, uh, based on this comic alone, it seems like his power fist is pretty useless. Because he doesn't use it once. And the only time he starts to no, use he it, did. he's too he tired. He used it um, on the, on the uh, henchmen when they oh, tried okay. to come in the, the door. Oh, that's right. But that was just once. He used yeah. it one time. And then yeah, for the rest of the comic, he's like too tired. Fist. Anyway, I like that Sabretooth taunts Iron Fist while he's blind. Yeah. It's a very Sabretoothian. Yep. And Wolverine-ish. Yes, very much. But then we get a convenient flashback to when Iron Fist had to train with a blindfold on. Which he didn't think about this until halfway through the fight. He's like, oh, wait. I've been in a situation where I lost my (laughs) sight before and had to fight. I'll remember that, and then that'll help me win this fight. And so he does. He hears Sabretooth's footprint, and he gets the upper hand. Which, I gotta say, I like uh, the ripped-up uniform. I like how you can see Sabretooth's like claw marks yeah, in his back. I thought that was cool too. I'm not sure that says too much for Sabretooth's attack, but I'll just chalk that up to the 70s in the comics code. Yeah, that's true. It just that, looks like he got scratched. Right. It doesn't look like Sabretooth made much of an impact there. Yeah, and it's not bleeding anymore either. Right. So then we get another, even though I don't like that Sabretooth loses, which is <laughs> funny that I'm, I'm pulling against the hero in this comic book. But um, we get a really nice whole page on page 30 of, of him and Sabretooth fighting. Just a really, just all those panels I thought were cool. Yeah. And really nice flow of action. So Iron Fist's uniform is starting to rip, so he just rips his shirt off. Oh, yeah. You get you rid of it. But he's so focused and listening for footsteps that he almost KOs Colleen Wing. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't see He's like, oh, Danny, I... Which I don't know what she was going to say there. <laughs> but but he's like, it's okay. And he's standing there with this nice pose and no shirt on, looking all John Byrne sexy. <laughs> and, um, 
With his big old dragon tattoo. He's like, all right, let's get to the side before you can catch Pannonia. <laughs> Why did I see that? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with me? Pannonia. <laughs> oh, man. I wasn't even thinking. That just came out. I don't know what they do with Sabretooth. Yeah, he's just got to disappear. Is he, is he leaving him in the snow? Does he tie him up in a sweeping bag? Yeah. I assume he just disappears, but... Yeah. You think as dangerous as he was, and as much as reputation as he has, they would try to ensure he's behind bars. Maybe we'll find out in his next appearance. Maybe so. But. Well, one thing I'm going to say that I didn't like okay. overall. One thing that takes away, and I, like, I agree with you, all the panels are great, all the action is great. But one thing I don't like, and, I, and this is probably just an Iron Fist thing, is I feel like most of the comic, especially this last part, Iron Fist is giving the reader a martial arts lesson. Because in every I panel... I think the next issue is even worse. It is even yes. worse than the next issue. But it really picks up here. And he just starts giving every every panel as a blow-by-blow blow play of right. exactly what he's doing. Right. The kind, with what the name, it's called. What it's called, where it comes from. What style it is sometimes. It, it's it's a, uh, and I guess it's kind of interesting, but to me it takes away you get this action sequence where things are going on, right. and instead I'm and I'm also reading all this stuff about various. I agree. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of a teenage boy in the '70s when kung fu was like kind of at the height of its coolness. Yeah. Like would I have wanted to know that stuff? Yeah. I, think, I don't know. I guess so. Probably a bunch would. Not everybody. But it kind of reminds me. And there's a. I, some people would probably disagree. I think there's a lot of similarities anyway. But it kind of reminds me of Larry Hama and G.I. Joe. Like being super. Like military knowledge. Like yeah. Really detailed about all the weapons and the strategies and formations and stuff like that. Kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah, another G.I. Joe reference. I know. We're full well, tonight. <clears throat> yeah. And I and I guess I get I guess the point of it is to show that Iron Fist is doing lots of fancy martial arts stuff and he's not just hitting somebody. Right. And from some of the panels some of the panels is pretty clear. Like this one is clear that he's chopping him in the throat. Right. But in other panels, I mean it just looks like he's punching him, but then they give this explanation that he's doing all these different fancy things. Right. So I guess the point of it is they're reinforcing the fact that he's the Actually greatest using his right that he's the greatest martial arts man of all time right or whatever whatever he's yeah. supposed to be pretty fly for a white guy <laughs> good one uh, all right <laughs> so um what do you want to do first you want to talk about impressions of Sabretooth or you want to grade the comic first let's grade the comic first and then maybe okay. we can do Sabretooth at the end. Well, I want to kind of cover it before we move on to the other stories. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, I thought the art, like I said, by John Byrne is just pretty amazing. Um, I agree. I actually have a reprint. You actually have this issue. I do. Which is pretty sweet. So, I think, I don't think they recolored it, but they printed it on this bright paper. So, the colors look a little kind of weird, but I don't hold that against anybody. I kind of like it, and I kind of don't. I kind of mixed it. I like the brightness of it, right? But at the same time, it kind of the some of the weird colors it it reinforces, right? That they're strange, right? That they're kind of <laughs> strange, and like the scenes where there's only two colors in the panel, right? You know, uh, you kind of hinted at this before we started recording. 
I'm generally not a very big Iron Fist fan. I'm not really. But I thought the story was pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. I was, and I, I, maybe I, I haven't forgotten read that Claremont wrote all this whole series. Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't know that either. Yeah, like all so, of Iron Fist. You mean, or the, you mean these two comics? No, all of all of the actual original Iron Fist series. Oh, I didn't know that either. Of which there's there's only fifteen. Yeah, I, yeah. The next one is the last this. one, but um, I think he starts when Power Man. Because what they do is they come. Well, we'll talk about that. I guess when we do issue fifteen. But basically, they combine Iron Fist and Power Man into one comic book. Yeah. But they keep Power Man's numbering. I guess because it's higher. Yeah. It's funny because now everybody's about lowering numbers. So they have all these new number ones and they start series when they get over when they get too high. Right. Back then it was a badge of pride to have your series have the longevity. Yeah. So Which I, I actually like that better, but maybe too. that's because I'm an old but man. I'm also a continuity slave. <laughs> but yeah, I thought, I thought the story was really good. Uh, we get to see, we get to meet Sabretooth. That's really cool. Art was great. Um, I'm going to give Iron Fist 14 I would have never thought I would have said this about an Iron Fist comic, but I'm going to give Iron Fist number 14 three out of three claws. Yeah, I I think I will too. Okay. I'm tempted to go down a little just because, like I said, the, the constant explaining of everything. Right. But that's kind of 70s anyway. I think right. they go a little more than the 70s, but it's still 70s. So I'm going to stick with three too because right. I think, yeah, it's it's a good story. It's a good right. story. Sabretooth's a great character. And a he great really is beginning. a great character. You know, let's talk about that because I feel like this is an awesome introduction of Sabretooth. We have his attitude right. I mean, he's mean as hell. He has yeah. a cool costume. He's introduced as like a pirate slash mercenary, yeah. but he's an ultimate killing machine. Is one of the quotes. Another quote is he has no equal. Yeah. I mean, those are both right out of Claremont's dialogue. Mm-hmm. He taunts uh, Iron Fist. There's a, there's a thing where he talks about trying to scratch Iron Fist's eyes out. Yeah, or and Colleen's eyes out. Oh, is it Colleen's? Yeah. yeah. So no no uh, in, no concern about violence against women, which right. is another saber-tooth thing. Yes, it is. Being brutal um, against women. And he killed his underlings. I mean, all this stuff yeah. is matches up. Now, I'm going to say, I wish in ways that, that saber-tooth would return to this iteration of the character that we meet here. Yeah. I feel like... He's good writers still write him good, but I feel like ever since he becomes a Wolverine bad guy, he kind of gets devolved into just an X-Men villain. Yeah. Without really kind of any true ambition of his own. Like, he doesn't really have anything going on except for to fight Wolverine and the X-Men. Yeah. Which, there's a lot of cool stories where he does that. And in fact, at the end of the last Wolverine series, I got really excited because after he quote unquote came back from the dead, he secretly took control of the underworld of Madripoor. And I thought that was really cool because it took him back to being really smart. Because a lot of people write him kind of dumb, which yeah. I don't like. Yeah, he gets. I, I I would I would I would argue that that a lot of the a lot of a lot of writers don't. No, don't understand him very well. I right, think, at least not way. according to this introduction. Right, or yeah, I guess I should say that. A lot of writers don't write him the way I like him to be, right. and, and he often, like you said, he gets he gets pegged into just being this kind of emotional, 
berserker villain who's right. really only there to fight he Wolverine. pain, and that that's fine. There's definitely a part of him that enjoys inflicting pain. Right. And we see that in this appearance, too. But... I don't know. I just because they did that, they did the thing with Madripoor, and that's been completely ignored. Yeah. And the X Men and Uncanny X Force even went to Madripoor, and they didn't talk about it at all. That <laughs> was a perfect opportunity for Wolverine to fight him in that situation. Yeah, that's weird. But anyway, yeah, I, I, think... I would like to see a more evolved Sabretooth. I I like that a lot more than him just being an animal. Yeah, and I think that's why. And I know I know it's a little bit controversial, but that's why I like I really like the Leave Shrive Shriver Shrivener. Leave Shriver. Leave yeah. Shriver's version of, of Shriver. I'm not sure. Which I don't one. know his version of Sabretooth from the movie yes, X Men Origins, too. because I think that he doesn't quite have the right look. No, but he plays it perfectly. But mainly just because he's not blonde. If he was blonde, well, he's kind of small for. His and he's a little smaller, but but yeah, to me that's that's the. That's the kind of Sabretooth I like and that I wish there was more of. And I right. think he's, you know, in the same way that Wolverine's all over the Marvel Universe, I think Sabretooth could easily be too. Yeah. If people wrote him. Like you right. said, if, if he was more of the pirate, of the, yeah, the mercenary. Just, that's the, the word, I the guess. The crime lord, right. crime lord but, but criminal type guy. But, yeah, he needs, he needs more stuff to do that's not focused on Wolverine and the X. Yeah, he's got too wrapped up in just being a stalker, Wolverine stalker. Right. And that's cool. Like the rival, that's one of my favorite hero villain rivalries yeah. in comics. Well, their I past mean. is definitely amazing. Right. The the history, the, the the depth of the history they've created between the two. Right. But that I feel like in the same way that that's not all there is to Wolverine, I feel like that's not all that there should be to Sabretooth either. Right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, current writers should definitely take note of his first few appearances. Now he doesn't show up again for. Almost three years. So Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. But we'll talk... The line I was looking for is actually in the next issue in Iron Fist 15. So we'll talk more... We'll talk about that when we get to that. That's weird for such a such a great introduction. Yeah. Such a central it's role. And, on it for a long time. And then time. just for three years to disappear. Super surprised by that. But... All right. Well, uh, just... To summarize, we both love Sabretooth, and we both love this issue. Yeah, there you go. We both gave Iron Fist 14 three out of three claws. All right, so let's move on. Okay, so next, circumstances are forcing us to do X-Men 108 a little early. (laughs) So that's what we're going to do. Just a quick recap from uh, Wolverine Year 3. The X-Men are in space on their first Shi'ar adventure, and the Macron crystal has been activated because the Death Stars have aligned and it's going to wipe out the universe. Give or take. Something like that. Yeah. All right, Close so enough. Cameron, take us away. All right, so, like you said, they're in space. Yeah. Right, They've so just fought do... this giant battle. Yeah. They were losing against Lalandra's brother... Dekin. Dekin. Not Dawkins, Dakin. Right. Not Wolverine's uh, son is, from the future. That's right. So her brother had created the Merc. Mer- no, he found it. He found, not created. It. He yeah. found the the crystal to give him all the power in the world, and but yeah. it made him a little nuts. So anyway, big rebel. His sister Lalandra's leading a rebel force against it. The X Men join forces with her. 
Star Jammers show up with uh, Cyclops's dad, although Cyclops doesn't know it yet. Right. Which that's part of the story here. Yeah. And then the tide turns, but then suddenly the crystal starts to open. Right. So that's where we are. So who who we got working on this book? So, oh, sorry. I skipped that's that. That's okay. No, we haven't it. actually started the issue yet, so you're oh, still okay. good. So I just reiterated what you said, basically. <laughs> Let's try it again. We're going to get this right. All right. <laughs> All right. Author, Chris Claremont. Artist, John Byrne, or Byrne. As, John Byrne. said. Uh, Terry Austin, inker. Wool and Orts a, as letterers. And A. Yanchis as colorist. Okay. So, John Byrne on X-Men now. John Byrne, yeah. Kicking off his run. Thought it was a little weird that Cochran didn't at least finish his story. But it's kind of strange. Maybe he was sick of this story. <laughs> As a reader, I was kind of sick of it. <laughs> so I don't blame him. Claremont gave him the script, and he's like, uh, no thanks. He's like, forget it. I'm not doing another Shi'ar book. <laughs> I'm done with that Shi'ite. That's right. So the book opens up with a recap of what we just recapped. <laughs> of what had just happened. He got almost a whole page of recapping. And then we go to this United Nations Sunwatch station that has the most advanced space lab ever built, which seems unlikely that the UN could do something like that, but right. whatever. So that's there, and basically the when the apparently when the crystal opened in the Shi'ar Empire, it did something to everything. All the galaxies, everything. Right. And the sun the Sun Watcher station guy is telling the president and the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, that everything ceased to exist for a moment. Right. For just a second. For a second. Everything ceased to exist. And we have the president, who's clearly Jimmy Carter, because he's written with a nice southern accent. <laughs> right. I find that a little hard to believe, Dr. Chobo, as he said. Cabo. Cabo, whatever. Um, so he doesn't really quite believe it. Fantastic Four is not sure, but the, the space guy... The space jammer scientist, not space jammer, the sun watch scientist uh, is, is pretty convinced. And everybody pretty quickly buys into it. Beast gives his famous, oh, my stars and garters, which is <laughs> classic Beast. Right. And the Avengers have a tender moment between Hank and, what's her name? Wasp? W Wanda. Wanda. No, Janet, I'm sorry. Wanda's Janet. a Scarlet Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, back to space. So here, so the crystal opens, then a weird purple being emerges. Yeah, a little like troll kind, kind of, of a guy. troll slash Yoda with a mohawk. <laughs> or with a, actually, I called it a purple space troll. It's actually, I would say, this is David Bowie's version of Yoda. If David Bowie yeah. made a Yoda, this is what uh, I would. Okay. Mixing oh, a little labyrinth in there, yeah, a right. little uh, major, major Tom, you know. Anyway, so... This guy comes out and basically says he's the guardian, or the a guardian, yeah. to the gate into eternity. And the story starts to get weird. I Honestly, I don't quite understand the portal and the crystal and the relationship, that the, what, the, what the guardians are actually protecting. I didn't quite understand that. I don't really know either. <clears throat> it's not really clear. It's just power, apparently, but it's not... It's very Scientology-ish to me, actually. Just kind of this idea of this power generic that exists. Power. Kind of right. a generic power to be the power. All power, but not all power. It's strange. 
how you can be all powerful but not have all the power. I don't quite know how that works, but that's kind right. of the idea here. So anyway, the little monster comes out. Wolverine, of course, threatens him, and then we get a fight scene where this tiny little purple gnome is beating the crap out of everybody. Oh, he mops the floor with the he X-Men. Does. The Star, the Star Jammers, Star the X-Men, everybody's throwing yeah. them around like they're nothing. Cyclops makes a comment about him. He opens up full optic blasts, and the gnome guy just laughs. Right. And his name is... Uh, Yarf? Yarf, by the way. Is that right? Jarf. J-A-H-F. Oh, Yoff or Joff. Joffs. Joffs, yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter if he's German or not, I guess. That's right. So a Banshee shows up, and the, one, the only panel I was gonna, I'm going to call attention to is the one where Banshee screams into Yarf's face, or Yoff's face, and Yoff apparently absorbs it, and it is a really creepy-looking panel. Yeah, where Banshee's is. face looks like it's getting sucked off, right? By the by Yop, which is not what's happening. He's just absorbing the sonic blast, but it looks crazy. So then, all of a sudden, a giant robot shows up. Well, they defeat Banshee defeats him with the sonic scream, and so it says one guardian has been defeated, and another oh. guardian comes to take his place. Yeah, I didn't catch that he defeated him. I I thought that the. Joff had defeated Banshee. All right, well, never mind. That makes more sense then. So anyway, Joff gets defeated, and then this giant robot shows up and says he's Mod, M-O-D-T, Mod, Mod. the second Guardian, who's a thousand times more powerful than the Joff. Right. Which seems pretty powerful. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And then we go back into big fighting. This is where the, and we didn't talk about the covers of the comic. No, we didn't. I didn't really like the cover that much. Now, the cover of this, the regular one or the classic X-Men It's one. by Cockrum again. Neither one are very, very good. But mainly because you can't tell what's going on. Right. And the you cover gotta... is a giant, this 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 robot's giant fist. Right. And then the X-Men all kind of around it in weird right. positions. And then you get a butt shot of Storm. Yeah. And a spread right. eagle crotch shot of Banshee. <laughs> so, anyway. Make the girls and the guys happy, right? That's right. Give everybody a little something. I think it's... Uh, interesting or important to point out the Guardian says that every Guardian will be exponentially powerful than the one that precedes it so even if they find a way to beat him the next guy is going to be even worse yeah well it sets it up that basically you get the feeling that there's no way they can get past the Guardians right because there's always going to be a Guardian who's always more that much more powerful so it's just they can't get there, except then that they do when they all suddenly get teleported into the crystal. Well, because what's his name? The space pirate throws Dakin into the crystal to try to kill him, and that teleports them all inside for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why it teleports them, though. But, yes. So then they're in the crystal, and it looks kind of weird. It's kind of a cool picture, but kind of not... I don't know. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden, these red rays come out of the crystal. And it turns into a nightmare machine. Yeah, I and call it nightmare laser beams. Nightmare laser beams. And everyone gets their own personal nightmares. Right. Which were kind of interesting reading the different nightmares, I thought. Yeah. So, some inter- interesting one. Nightcrawlers is a mob scene in Bavaria where a village, basically, they're trying to hunt and kill him. Right, but it's the X-Men instead of his old villagers. But yeah, the, yeah, the picture is and the that's X-Men the, That's the cover that Art Adams decided, that's the panel 
There aren't Adams decided to be inspired to draw the cover to classic X Men. Oh yeah. Oh, okay, that's why they're all distorted looking. Yeah. And then Corsairs is his wife dying, being murdered apparently by Dukin. By so Dukin. we see, and then that's kind of our first glimpse that Dukin killed his wife. So that's kind of the, the sown the seeds of his dissension of the empire. Yeah, but in the pre- but with the Nightcrawler one, it's an in it's an unreal thing of the X Men killing yeah. him. So that makes it look like that's unreal too. Huh? Maybe it's kind of weird, but but Nightcrawler um, is the only one that's fantasy, actually. Yeah. I don't know. Dickens is like impossible fear. Like it's something we really had, but not that way. I don't know. Never yeah, mind. I don't know. Either way, we'll keep going with it. So. um Anyway, everyone's having their own nightmares. Scott's firing Optibass like crazy. So Jean Grey tries to stop him, and he blasts a hole through her. Right, but it turns out she's not really there. All but the yeah, she's, she's not really there. Ghost. I think it's interesting to point out that her greatest nightmare is dying, but she's already died. So that's how she's able to kind of break out of the, the loop. Yeah. Because she's, she's faced her worst fear and come back from it. That's right. So she comes, so she um, emerges out of the out of the nightmare, and then we get a couple of really cool panels where she starts to morph into the phoenix. Right. And the phoenix comes out. I don't really understand it, but it's but it really is cool. cool looking. Yeah. yeah. It's the phoenix just kind of comes out, and then from from what I can understand, begins to kind of absorb all the power of the of the crystal. But the crystal, it says, is the power absolute, the end of all that is. This idea of the crystal is going to destroy everything. And then recreate it. It's basically then, like a reset button yeah, for the universe. It's like a Big Bang Part 2, I guess. It's kind yeah. of the idea. So, But then, of course, the, the phoenix absorbs that or contains it or begins to stitch back together, I guess. the That's the word they use. The, the they, lattice work? Yeah, the lattice. The word they use. That holds together right. network of interlocking stasis fields, neutralizing the power of the in galaxy. The neutron galaxy. Yeah. This art is awesome. The art is awesome. <laughs> With the Phoenix stuff and like saving the world. This is, I mean, this is when we've talked about this before. They're way over explaining it. Right. And it doesn't make any sense. So it's like, don't no. bother over explaining right. it. Just, just let it go and let us use our imagination. It, yeah, because if we're not going to understand it anyway, spending it's, all this time telling so us. It's so damn complicated. Yeah, it's like, there's no, this doesn't make any sense. And it, like I said, I mentioned Scientology earlier, or, you know, something like that. It's kind of different forces and powers and powers in the universe. I don't know. So is a neutron galaxy, is that a real thing? Like a metaphysical or quantum physics concept or something or is that just completely not that I know of pulling that out of his butt I don't know that I don't I don't know about that but any physicist who happened to be listening (laughs) to the podcast if you could shed any light on what a neutron galaxy is if that's a real thing I'm gonna without my handy iPhone it kind of sounds familiar like a real thing but but I don't I don't know so either way the end result is the phoenix is so powerful it's able to contain all of the power, absorb everything back, or repair existence, oh. I guess. And then they end up back on their ship and head back to Earth. Hey, just a very brief overview. Neutron galaxies are 
ultra-dense cosmic cannonballs that used to tear around the universe, punching through, clicking the link to get the rest of the sentence. I don't know. They're just super dense, basically, cannonballs of proto-star material. Alright, so, the idea is right. This is a destructive force. And apparently, this spear... Alright, so here's, here's what I kind of gathered. Phoenix finds a spear inside the crystal. The Phoenix Force bonds with it, and she wants to put together the these constraints that are holding these, I guess, cosmic cannonballs in place. But it turns out this thing drains energy, so it's taking away, since the Phoenix is made of energy, it's taking the Phoenix power away. That's why she has to use Storm and um, Corsair as a tether, which for some she makes a big deal about how one's not enough, she needs two. Yeah. It didn't really make sense to me what the science behind that is. I think Claremont is made that way so he can have a reason for her to reveal to Corsair that she knew who he was. Yeah. And then that's really that's the, part of it. That's yeah. the only reason that plot point exists, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Then it also turns out after she started that she's losing and she calls on the spirits of all the X Men. And they make like a tree of a spiritual tree of life. Yeah. Like I said, it gets real mystical. And then somehow that defeats the crystal and they all get kicked out of the crystal and they go home. They end up back to Earth where they then arrive and we have our old friend Fire Lord yes. still hanging out. But he's done. Yeah. Because they start to fight him and he says, nope, I'm done. Nope. Professor done X fighting. explained everything. <laughs> We're all buddies again. And then then Lilandra comes popping through the portal. And basically offers herself to Professor X. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> she says, Till then, my dearest. Basically that 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 she's that um Dakin went nuts in the crystal, so he's incapacitated right. as king or emperor. So she's the next in line, but she's a traitor, but she believes they're gonna work all those kinks out quickly right. and, and call her, her back to be emperor again. Right. But Empress. until then, she's exiled to Earth while she awaits, I guess, the tribunal's judgment. I don't know. Yeah. And then so she says then that she is Xavier's. Right. And their love relationship, which I felt like was only hinted at in the issues before, suddenly escalates into well, they said a, they were soulmates. Yeah, but they had just met. Right. Whereas this, this is almost like they've been together for a long time. But I guess right. maybe they feel like they are. I don't know. All right, so gotta say, enjoyed John Byrne showing up in this book. Thought the opening page was pretty cool. I agree. Um, Art. Though on cool. page two, looks like Wolverine has a little bit of case of the stretchy neck. So Byrne's stretchy continuing Cockrum's weird neck, seventies neck. And Wolverine's still in that stupid suit. Oh, he's in that suit, all right. The Fang suit. The yeah, the little which is like a caveman suit all right so i was gonna ask but you already answered so that's that's supposed to be president carter right as far as yeah I mean, and he was president to me it's in 77 be right clearly. yeah 70 okay. elected in 76 all right i was fighting the avengers are like oh we can't do anything about it yeah we're earth's mightiest heroes but you know we're just gonna be sad and die well, it's like you said on the last podcast when we talked about the first these first couple issues, about how weird it was that the threat was to the complete annihilation of the world. Right. And the the Fantastic Four and the Avengers are busy. Right. Like, we're busy. Let the X Men handle it. 
But this one, they're not even talking about being busy. They're just like, I wrote my notes of, you know, you have all these new books. You have New Avengers, Mighty Avengers. Yeah. This is the fatalist Avengers. <laughs> it's like completely resigned. Oh, well, the world is going to end. Yeah. It would have made more sense and been more satisfying if they'd been off doing something else and yeah. not just sitting around depressed. Or maybe just have them, even, even in this storyline, try to do something. Right. Or say, hey, get the Quinjet ready. And then don't... You don't have to show them do anything. Yeah, you can even leave it there and not tell me what happens and just say, hey, let's get the Quinjet ready and then tell the rest of your X-Men story and I'm fine. Or have Hank try to investigate more. Right. Like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to investigate too and see what's going right. on, you know? No, you, you don't have to follow up. Just don't make them look like lazy, depressed, yeah. sorry sacks of poo. <laughs> anyway, um... I actually thought the purple space troll looked cool. I was happy with John Burns. Design. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, especially for the seventies. Right. Uh, I still stand by my David Bowie comparison, but I thought it was funny that he punches Wolverine into orbit, and yeah. then the star jammers on the ship notice him. Yeah. They're like, uh, should we go get that guy? <laughs> <laughs> on page eleven, while Jean's t- trying to help Cyclops, we have two X Men in the background with their nightmares. Where Banshee's choking himself. And it looks like Colossus is happily singing. <laughs> no, that was funny. Yeah, that is funny. I wrote down the page 16 for me. Hold up, back up. I got something for you. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, there's this one right here. So in this scene, in the middle of this, they have one little panel where it goes back to show Professor X... And Misty Knight. Misty Knight and Jean Grey's parents. parents. There's just a random panel in the middle of this where it looks like everything's collapsing down on them, <laughs> and Misty's got her pistol out. Oh, she she pulled it on Fire Lord too. And the entire the entire building is collapsing. Right, the world is collapsing, and she's got her pistol. She's about to shoot somebody. Right, she'll shoot the antimatter. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I knew the. And you just, again, the art with the phoenix flame, the firebird above, like, the spear and the destroying planet looks really, really cool. Yeah. thought it was interesting when they come back through the Stargate that Wolverine is bandaged up. Yeah. It's kind of a... It it makes a lot of sense in the current continuity of the book, but it's definitely one of those things that you look back on and you're like, huh. Well, is it a bandage or is it... It almost looks metal, though. You think it looks metal? The side of it looks kind of metal. Oh, okay. Let's see, where's... Yeah, like a little brace brace yeah. on it. My voice cracked. Like it's some bit. kind of chest plate, but... Right. Now, that was funny in the end. Uh, the book is dedicated with respect and admiration to Dave Cockrum, who helped make the dream a reality. And then we have, I'm not dead, Dave Cockrum. <laughs> That's that was, really funny. That was really funny. Maybe think of Monty Python where they're like, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Okay, well, um He just really didn't want to do another Star Jammer. Yeah, he really didn't. She are. And uh he has another shorter run in a few years. But I guess let's 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 grade the issue first. Okay. Alright, I thought the John Byrne art was awesome. Art, very good. I thought the story was a confusing letdown. Yes, very much. To the point that I'm trying to decide and argue with myself how much I hated it. Yeah. 
Like, all right, the part about the Phoenix, like where you see how powerful the Phoenix is, that part is cool. Yeah. The rest of it, not so much. Um, I think I would have liked it, and this is, they don't, they just didn't do this in the seventies. I would have liked it if it had been no words, if it had just been yeah, images right. of the power, because you can look at it and see power. Absorption. Power, just something kind of bad show. happening in the Phoenix. Because you can see the collapse of everything. Right. And then the Phoenix emerges. And then everything comes together. You didn't need any of that explanation. I feel like the dialogue gets in the way. Yeah, because the explanation doesn't make any sense anyway. So you're just trying to figure that out. And then you're you're missing the point of it, which is just like you said, how powerful the Phoenix is. And yeah. that it's just the whole universe, everything is coming to an end. Right. And the Phoenix stops it, which is huge. But that gets lost in the midst of trying to under, trying to explain <laughs> right. in galaxies and stuff. So I'm guessing, looking up what in galaxies were, so there are all these things flying around, threatening to destroy the universe, and the crystal captured them? Is that what? I don't think it was the same thing. Because yeah, in, okay. in the comic, it, the in galaxy, to me, seemed more like a... Like a kind of black hole that was going to absorb, like pull in everything. Okay, and into, then spit something new yeah, out. Yeah, that's kind okay. of what it sounded like to me. Well, it's going to be weird to say about a comic book where made-up characters do made-up things. <laughs> but it feels like in this comic that Chris Claremont just made up a bunch of stuff and tried to string it together yeah. into something that, that sounded world-threatening. And in a way it was, but... Uh, to me, it just seems very anticlimactic. Yeah. I really, the only thing you can glean from this story is that Phoenix is has godlike power. Yeah. It's really the only point of the whole story. That, and you find out that Corsair is Scott Summers' dad. I mean, Cyclops' dad. Yeah. Well, I, I, I kind of agree. I kind of disagree, though. I think it's anticlimactic, but I... I in my opinion, it's just because of the text. Okay. Because I think... Do so you think if it had been less wordy... If it had been it less been wordy... climax? And they just let the art stand for itself? Because the, the, the explanation of it makes it sound smaller because it doesn't make right. sense. Right, Whereas the point of this is something crazy is happening. This old... Now we know there's a whole other empire universe out there. There's all these other characters have introduced this whole thing. Which, you know, this may be a little... Uh, Sacrilegy, but I kind of feel like kind of feel like um, Chris Claremont bit off more than he could chew with this. Maybe like he came up with this idea of creating this whole universe, but then it was like, oh, I need to end this comic. (laughs) So where do I go with that? So it was this kind of the weird story of the Guardians that I thought was kind of dumb. Yeah, no, that part was. I mean, it's okay. I, I get, I get it. It's fine. But it, again, it doesn't make any. That part was okay, but then once once the phoenix begins to emerge, to me that would have worked better if they had just then stripped all of the text out, and you had three or four right. pages of just images of the phoenix and these kind of power spheres and all this kind of stuff playing out. Because you can look at that, and then and you you, you know something amazing is happening. Something right. like you said, godlike. It's just crazy is happening here, right. and that ends it. And then it's it's over. Now then, then how the the X Men just end up back home is kind of silly. The Phoenix but. repowers the Stargate, and they leave without saying goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really weird that I mean I know Phoenix is pretty much exhausted, but 
it will be interesting to see how long they wait for Scott to find out he has a dad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like pretty big news to just kind of leave out in space. Yeah. That also felt like they got to the end of it and Chris Claremont was like, Chris Claremont was like oh, wait, I wanted to... I wanted him to be his dad. I oh, wanted... crap. <laughs> well, because uh, they hinted that earlier. Right. But it was like, oh, yeah, I want, I want the X-Men to know this, too. So it was like right. one last minute. Oh, Gene figures it out right now. Okay. So, so I say I like the Guardians, but does the Crystal really need them? I mean... So what? I don't know what the crystal did. I don't either. So I, I don't I, I know don't, what what would happen if someone the got there. I don't understand the crystal at all. It doesn't make any is sense. It, is That's it containing? It, like, is the neutron galaxy inside the crystal? Is right? I mean, that part we got right. I guess I think so. <laughs> I'm not even 100 percent sure on that. Well, because then what what was Dakin trying to do with it? Dakin Dakin understood the power as much as we do. He I just so. knew it was power, and he wanted it. Yeah. But um, yeah, so then the question is, what would anyone do with that other than well, set off a reaction and so that destroys everything? so once the crystal everything? was open, I mean, I guess it opened, right? And started blinking out reality. Yeah, which is before the Guardians show up. Right. So it seems like once the crystal's opened, the Guardians have already failed at their job. Because then once the crystal was opened, it then began see, to destroy they tried, everything. I got the impression they were trying to keep it open, which seems weird. I mean, they said when the, when, yeah, when he, he said as long as it's said, open, we'll be there to keep people from getting in there or something. Yeah, he says. But what does that mean if someone gets in there? Because then they get in there and then they get the nightmare dream. So maybe he was trying to protect them, almost. No, but if the crystal was destined to destroy everything, the end of all that is. And he said, as long as the gate is open, no one may approach the crystal, and live. I'm thinking maybe because he says it's the guardian of the gate to eternity so if if the crystal achieved its purpose and set loose the neutron galaxy and destroyed everything maybe whoever's inside the crystal is protected and gets to go to the new reality it's always jobs to keep it out so everything's a new everything's a blank slate maybe maybe uh, maybe it I'm becomes a this way too much. maybe it becomes a portal to whatever the comes new back creation, right? yeah once it's all Everything's destroyed and then recreated. This is the portal to get to the recreated version. But then why do they not want people to go through there? I don't... don't, I'm tired of thinking. I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) The art's great. The more we're talking about the story, the more I dislike it. All right, so what do you you give this one? X-Men 108. I don't know. The art is so good for the most part. I almost want to give it a two, but I think I'm going to give it a one. Oh, man, I was hoping it would be different on this one. Yeah. I'm going to give it a one, too. I, I love the art. <laughs> I I just don't like this story. Yeah. There are, I would have given it a two if they did what I did they, where they took that text right. out. I'm going to keep saying that over and over okay, again because I really think that would have been awesome. Right. If it just because it was all like one of those movies where everything goes silent and then you just see well like uh chaos. you know they mentioned the X Men make a tree of life like the tree of life movie by Terrence Malick yeah very confusing some people didn't like it I personally didn't get all of it but it was a very enjoyable experience it was a very beautiful experience and I feel like John Burns art could have conveyed that so we got all his super action stuff in the Iron Fist issue we just read. And we'll get plenty of that in X-Men to come. Yeah. But in this book, we really get a sense of his scope. 
Yeah. Like, and just like kind of almost the majesty of his art, which yeah. is kind of a weird thing to say about an artist, but <laughs> I really feel it. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, with the Phoenix stuff especially, you just really get the, this, the bigness of his art. And yeah, I agree. They should have just left more of it alone. It, it can tell the story by itself. Anyway, we're, so we're both going to give X-Men 108 one out of three claws. So um, just briefly before we move on, let's talk about uh, Cockrum's run overall and the transition to John Byrne and what you think about that. I'm interested to see where John Byrne goes with it. I think I like a lot of the stuff Cockrum did. I think he said a lot of good groundwork. Right. But ultimately, Cockrum, I think... This is a. I'm just pulling this out of my butt here, but okay. I'm gonna say is like an eighty twenty artist, where it's like eighty percent of the time he's great, but then there's that twenty percent of the time where something he just draws things weird. Right. Well, every, weird I think necks, every artist has that a little bit, where you're yeah. off panel. But yeah, I definitely felt like he wasn't super consistent. But I feel like it's an extreme too. And I think that's why it's right. eighty, because it's not just like it's usually good, and then sometimes it's not quite as good. It's like it's really good, and then it's terrible. Right. Right. So right. it's like you know, awesome-looking Banshee and then crazy Mary Tyler Moore hair Banshee, you know? Right. That, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, it's hard to argue with, the you know, the, the creation of Wolverine and, and laying the groundwork of what he what he will ultimately forever look like, really. Right. So. I agree. I feel like Cockrum did an admirable, admirable job and was a, a great artist who did set a lot of work. I'm excited about John Byrne is because yeah, me too. You know, his modern stuff is still good. The stuff in the nineties that I read was good. I feel like though his stuff in the seventies and eighties, like seventies and eighties John Byrne is on the short list of my favorite artists. Yeah. So and I haven't read a lot of these in a long time. I remember them very fondly. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how it all stands up. But yeah, it's one of those things that like Cockrum is a great artist, I think. And not everybody agrees with that, but I think he is overall a great artist. Yeah. But John Byrne is one of the best. It's like kind of the difference between, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. <laughs> but like, the difference between, like, Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dominique, well, maybe not even that. Dominique Wilkins was a great basketball player and a great dunker. Michael Jordan is undebatably one of the best. Yeah. And so it's an extra level, an extra step. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't want to say anything to reflect poorly on Cochran because I really enjoyed reading those issues. And a lot of those I actually hadn't read. Yeah. Like there were, well, I want to say a lot. There were a few like first time reads for me in that Cochran run. Yeah. There were a lot. I think but, a lot of those I hadn't read. I enjoyed seeing kind of the evolution of the characters and yeah. Anyway, so all right. So I feel like we should say something about the end of his little yeah, era. I'm with you. And he does come back and do a short run later, but it's just kind of a. No, it's not. It's not the same yeah. as kind of this foundation laying run he did to start yeah. it off. Well, and it's and it's important because so many characters are created right. with him, and he he is like you said he sets. Well, and John Byrne even says. In the digital copy, in the, there's a letters page where John Byrne kind of writes a letter to yeah. the reader and talks about how much he, Cochran is one of his big influences. I think you see that. I think 
without Cockrum, there is no John Byrne. Yeah, I, can I see think that. John Byrne just took it up to another level. But I would yeah. also say without John Byrne, there's probably no Jim Lee or Tom McFarlane. Yeah. You know, or Art Adams. You know, and so that's more arguable, more debate. I don't think I don't think there's very many people besides maybe guys who were teenagers and bought the Cockrum issues new. There's not gonna be a whole lot of people who are gonna say that Cockrum is better. Yeah. Whereas I think there will be people who would argue between like Byrne and Jim Lee. I think Jim Lee takes it up another step further. I I do but too. In my personal Jim Lee is my personal favorite artist. Yeah, I so. I would say he's the best. Yeah, but but anyway, I just wanted to have a small conversation about that. Okay, so next up we have the X Men star in Iron Fist number fifteen. Enter the X Men. This is written by Chris Claremont. Art by John Byrne. So we have a John Byrne extravaganza in this episode. John Byrneathon. Yeah, John Byrneathon. <laughs> it was yeah. Anyway, uh, Dan Green is the inker again. Annette Kay is the letterer, and B. Patterson is the colorist. Archie Goodwin is the editor. All right, so we got another cover here by Dave Cockrum, where Iron Fist is punching Colossus into it looks like a table. Nightcrawler is. Crawling on the floor, so living up to his name. Storm is shooting. No, she's not. Right, so it's weird. The way the Iron Fist kind of flame trail is, almost looks like it's coming out of Storm's hand. Yeah. Like she's shooting lightning bolts. But it bolts. doesn't look like Storm's really doing anything. Maybe creating wind. Yeah, maybe. And then Wolverine's kind of in the bottom corner. He looks scared. He does look scared. Which I don't like. No, I don't either. And he's, he's still in... He's uh, in his uh, space costume that he stole from Stan. costume. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the cover? It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's pretty good. It's definitely not as good as Iron Fist 14. No, it's not. But it's it's decent. Actually, I don't know. Maybe it's even less than decent. If the if the Wolverine looked cooler, I would say it was, it was still a good cover. If the, the lamp weird... wasn't there, I wouldn't like it. <laughs> the lamp is kind of cool. The lamp makes it up. Yeah. No, it's, it's an alright cover. Yeah, it's alright. All right, so basically, Iron Fist walks into a trap, but he knows it's a trap. And he gets ambushed by the mysterious dragon guy from issue 14. And he wants Iron Fist. The power, not the man. Right. Well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. After that chi hug, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then we see Logan referring to himself as Logan. And basically, he's stalking Jean Grey. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And uh, he has a picture of her and Scott, and he rips Scott's half of the picture off. Yeah. And basically disposes it. And basically, he is out to replace Scott Summers as the love of Jean Grey's life. And he sees an intruder go into her apartment from the roof. And we get a little segue about Misty Knight on her Caribbean assignment. And we switch back. And Wolverine charges in and fights Iron Fist, who tosses him out a window. But he's saved by the happenstance of Nightcrawler and Colossus walking by. So the X-Men charge in and attack Iron Fist in the apartment. Storm comes in and gets, like, egg salad or something tossed in her face. Yeah. She gets pissed off, starts a lightning attack. Banshee shows up. The X-Men keep fighting Iron Fist. Phoenix comes in and stops everything. Oh, oops. It was all a big misunderstanding. Yep. Wah, wah. 
And then there's a party at the end. Yeah. Well, and I and I think by the end then maybe we're to believe that Wolverine wasn't just stalking her and it's not happenstance because they were all on their way there for the party. Right. He was just so maybe just um still being a little introspective creepy. about what his intentions were for he the He was party. still creeping on Jean Grey, oh, yeah, but definitely. not completely without reason. All right. So I uh notes here I thought that the opening panel was really cool Pretty and cool. Uh, sets the stage for some more really good John Byrne art yeah except for Iron Fish shoes yeah I wish Swiffers are in full effect this issue yeah uh, well there's another panel later where we get a nice close up of his foot I didn't think it was weird that his strategy when he finds out it's a machine gun is to duck under the line of fire yeah because, you know, when you're firing a machine gun, you can only go <laughs> horizontally. Right. <laughs> you can't go up and down. <laughs> Not at all. You're locked in. Once you start firing, your arms are locked in the horizontal position. Yes. <laughs> so good strategy by Iron Fist to avoid the bullets there. More, uh, we get more Kung Fu description talk. <laughs> a lot more. A whole lot more in this issue. And then we get, uh, when the dragon guy walks up and punches Iron Fist, we get a brow, which made me think of comedy bang bang. <laughs> brow. <laughs> Adam Valley. Yeah. Yes, and then the dragon, oh, here's the panel where we get a nice, like, full-on ballet leg. Yeah, it just looks like a lady's, lady's shoes. Yeah. Like a regular old lady working in office shoes. And then we get another... Which I really liked. I'm going to assume you will not like it again. This um, one trans- was more bear huggy. So it looks like he's he's hurting Iron, Ma- Iron Fist right. more in this one. Okay. I still think it's weird. It was like a rest- it was like a pro wrestling. I still, yeah, I still think the idea that he has, they have to press their chest together is a bizarre way for the power <laughs> to work. But that one looks, that one is less, less like two, friend, two long lost friends. Right. He goes, I want the Iron Fist. And of course you do, buddy. Apparently Iron Fist's dad screwed him out of it. Yes. But we don't know why. Yeah. And they don't finish that in this comic. So. No, they don't. Um, and I guess never, since this is the last Iron Fist comic. Yeah, but Iron Fist keeps going. He goes to Power Right, Man but I wonder Fist. if the actual storyline continued. Yeah. All right, so then, even though we covered X-Men 108 first, because of story-wise, this is actually our first panel of John Byrne's Wolverine face with no mask. That yeah. came out. So That's we right. get that. And we get our first John Byrne snicked. What do you think of his uh, his initial go at Wolverine's face at, Lo- at his Logan? It's a bit hit or miss, I think, at least here. Because this one, I like this one a lot. Right. The second one is a little too Widow's Peaky. Right. But it's, uh, they're, they're, they're good. They're solid drawings. Okay. Oh, this is where he talks about a frail. He, he refers... Yeah, he talks about... Wolverine fair, goes all saber tooth and says, "All this over a lousy frail." Yeah, I got. The, I said that Missy Knight looked like Foxy Brown. She does, yeah. I thought it was interesting that her partner, or whatever his name was, uh, I don't know if this is how it's supposed to pronounce him, but this is how I read it: Rafe Scrafe. <laughs> Rafe Scrafe. That's so, pretty good. I thought that in these three panels here, where she comes out of the ocean in a sexy swimsuit. Oh, yeah. And this is uh, a straight-up John Byrne sexy woman yeah. page. 
And then we, they immediately start talking about some guy named the Bushmaster. <laughs> I thought this is about to turn. This is about to turn X-rated here. You know, I got so sidetracked <laughs> by trying to figure out this Bushmaster guy was the guy from Punisher War Journal, which he's not. It's Bushwhacker. Yeah, Bushwhacker. But I got so like down that rabbit hole, I didn't even think to be dirty about it. Yeah, well, I did. All right, well, that's Sorry why you're about here. That. <laughs> yeah. The Misty Bushmaster. Well, it's just because they were so close together. Right. And what what kind of name is Bushmaster anyway? Sounds kind of vaguely At what point racist ever, to me, I think. It kind of does. Like a Bushman somehow, like right. an Australian Bushman or something. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. But. I didn't. I thought it was a weird name, to, just period. There isn't like any reason that that name would be an interesting name to use. Right. But neither is Rafe Scrafe, so <laughs> there's some weird name choices in here. Right. I wrote that the uh, the hat makes a woman because she puts on the hat when she decides she's <laughs> Maya Corday. Yeah. And I like when she's kissing the Bushmaster and we have the single tear. <laughs> she's got the tear. <laughs> she's too close to him. All right. So I, I wrote on uh, this next page that ninjas do everything ninja-like, including tasting food. Because yeah. it looks like he does that super fast with the motion lines. Like he's like, zoinks! <laughs> It takes a little taste of this potato salad. Yeah. I thought that was weird in the end. No idea what it was. <laughs> like, I've been trapped in Kunlun for all these years. What's this thing with potatoes, eggs, celery, spices, maya? Oh, no, mayonnaise. Sorry. I let the dash get my way. It tastes good. Like, I just kept thinking of unfrozen caveman. <laughs> yeah. Another SNL reference. Right. And then so we get a freeze bub with a... I love Wolverine's face in this panel. Yeah. But I'm not sure about his hair. Yeah, the hair's a little weird. Well, his uh, whiskers, sideburns are more like whiskers. And his his whole hair, facial hair thing almost makes an X. Yeah, well, and his whole forehead is hair. Yeah. But I do love his scowl. I like that he's got a Clint Eastwood growl yeah. going on. But he's still in that stupid alien suit. He's still in the, in the Shi'ar costumes. That's what he's wearing right now. Under the trench coat that he had on a little yeah. while ago. Yes, apparently so. So he had time to go get a trench coat, yet not change out of this weird suit. Right. But maybe he used all his Wolverine suits. I don't know. All right, so the Wolverine says, Oh boy, I haven't been hit like that since I was a kid. <laughs> all right, well, so let's talk about that. Yeah. You think Chris Claremont... Was he just trying to say that Wolverine was has been a brawler his whole life? Or do you think that's a reference to kind of the relationship he has with the Logan character from Origin? I think... I don't, I don't think by any means that story was fleshed out to that degree back no. then. I do think, you think there was any indication that Claremont wanted that to be the origin? Or do you think he's just saying, hey, Wolverine's been fighting since the day he was born? Yeah, it's possible. I kind of think that it was more... That when the last time he got hit in that kind of that that way was when he was a child and he was hit by an adult. Okay, I was like, so That's the you last think time there's he an inference a- of like abuse? In well, past. abuse, yes, but more just the idea of being such the weaker, being in such a weaker position. Oh, okay, right. So it's like when you're a kid, an adult, you know, is is on. Striking right. you, then there's a real power disparity there. Whereas most of the time, Wolverine is is the equal or more than everyone else he fights. Right. 
I guess Hulk hit him once though, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm a little hard time believing that this Iron Fist punch is harder than the Hulk's. Yeah, because it's not even like his fired up punch. It's like yeah, a just punch. a regular. Yeah. But I don't know. But yeah, that's that's what I interpreted it from. It's just meaning, you know, with, with the last time he got really hurt being a little okay. kid. I also said, uh, don't invite Wolverine to your party because he will cut up your furniture. Yeah. Yeah, they tear up Jean Grey's house. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, they do. Apartment. And then uh, Iron Fist swift, swiftly uh, decapitates Wolverine, <laughs> kicks his head clean off. Looks like it. And then when Wolverine jumps at him, he uh, explodes him. Yeah. So I do like this panel, though, of Wolverine jumping through the air. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. Well, um, I really like this. I like this where he throws him out the window in the next the next. Yes, I here. love that, too. And especially because Iron Fist panics and thinks that he killed, he may right. have killed Wolverine. Oh no, I just killed him. And at first I thought, no, healing factor, but we don't have a healing factor. No, we don't yet. have that. There's no indication that he's going to survive this fall. But Nightcrawler and Colossus are walking by and Nightcrawler teleports to get him, yeah. catches him. Which I thought was interesting. I, I, do you have a, a comment you'd like to make on this page? The only thing I was going to make, comment about this page is that Colossus is, is in a Colossus is in a full suit and then he turns into Colossus and his suit evaporates oh it rips but there's just tiny little pieces it's not like it, right. it ripped and it falls <laughs> off I mean it's like it's all gone except right. a few scraps so you have you have no other comments about this page nothing you'd like to say about a certain device Nightcrawler has been fond of in past episodes oh just the the whole uh what is it, the image inducer? He's not going to hide behind the image inducer anymore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I thought you would get a kick out of that. I would. That was a big deal. Yeah. A little, couple issues back. Yeah. Then we get uh, John Byrne with a fastball special, mm-hmm. which looks really cool. It does look cool. And, and then... It, he goes right yeah. back to the window. Right. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. We have Nightcrawler as the only voice of reason. Like, uh, how do we know is really a bad guy? Is Wolverine? He thinks everybody's a bad guy, <laughs> right? Like he just wants to fight, and Colossus is like, "Oh, duh!" But he doesn't try to stop the fight. He just, oh, well, yeah. actually, he jumps up there and then he gets punched in the face, yeah. and then he starts Which, fighting. Another too. awesome uh, silhouette yeah. teleportation of Nightcrawler. A very cool. One. Never get tired of that. And then, uh, so then they start fighting again. Oh, this is just a great page. The only thing I didn't like. Is it they're fighting? Let's see, I have on page page 17 here. Oh, whoops. Back here. That Iron Fist talks about he can smell the brimstone a fraction before Nightcrawler materializes. Huh. Is that a thing? I don't know. Like the smell comes first and then Nightcrawler comes after it? I'm not sure. I've only always heard that as. After he's gone, that's right. What was Does he left. smell when he shows up too? I mean, I guess he would. Just the the, the bamp itself would make the smell. I wouldn't think that. Yeah. That there would be a smell prior to him showing up. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that. Because it's so immediate. That's weird. Right. And then of course we get get the whole sound in the face yeah. of Storm. Which is funny because Storm also starts out voice of reason. Right. But then she gets hit with some potato salad and she goes she, nuts. She loses it. <laughs> she just, just loses it. completely flips her in and like has a rains down lightning on the whole building. Yeah. It gets nuts. I love this fight. I love this use 
of Nightcrawler's teleporting in a fight. Yeah, I like that too. I like that a whole lot. That's a lot more of what he does now. Yeah. The kind of and what he did in the, the movie. Place. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah. And the, yeah. So that was really cool. I really love this snicked, where he puts his two claws through Iron Fist mask like yeah. right in front of his eyes. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And I can't tell from the spacing which two claws it is. So I don't know if this is a classic, like, you don't want me to let this third one out. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought at first. But they do look close together. I'm not even sure that if the third one came out, I guess it'd go through his nose or would it just just go through his mask? I thought it would go up his nose. I thought that was it. Then let's go with that. But I don't know, yeah. I really like, this is kind of the first time we see that, so I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And then Wolverine says, Wolverine don't talk, bub. He acts. You get my drift? And we have Jean Grey turns everybody hot pink. And I love I love the secret ID face palm that Iron Fist does. Yeah. You're like, oh man. <laughs> and then I like how embarrassed Storm is. Yeah. He's like, oh well, I mean, I got hit. I was a bowl of soggy, smelly. Like, <laughs> and then um <laughs> I put, does Logan squirt, is Logan squirting himself in the eye with his beer? <laughs> it looks is like it. He squeezes it because he's angry. You're not angry, right. but irritated. And then kind of the reason we did, the main reason I wanted to put this here. Well, first of all, we have the Marvel guys at the party. We also have Lilandra at the party. Yeah. Which spoils the end of X-Men 108 by four months. Yeah. I mean, maybe... See, that's a weird thing because you're not going to say, well, we're not having, maybe not a lot of X-Men readers read Iron Fist, but you have the X-Men in the book. Your whole goal is to bring X-Men readers over here. Yeah. And so to give away that story like that just seems really careless, I thought. Yeah, I agree. But she's hanging out at the party. Yeah. In her Shi'ar outfit. And just, yeah. (laughs) Like she has no civilian clothes. No. No No one can find her anything to wear. Yeah. But um, she's being she's keeping it real. That's right, keeping it real. I did write, by the way. I know this is an Iron Fist comic book, but uh, the X Men, especially as a whole team, would kill Iron Fist. Oh yeah. And there's any Iron Fist supporters out there that disagree? I'm sorry, but you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Sabretooth just Sabretooth about killed should him have by Iron himself. Fist. Yeah. If you throw in Wolverine and Colossus and Nightcrawler, it seems. That, it seems like that should have been no contest. So a couple of things I wanted want to talk about. Uh, first of all, I, I missed it somewhere. I didn't write it in my notes. But somewhere Wolverine says, oh yeah, he says, uh, heads up, bub, Wolverine's coming at you. And that's the <laughs> second time he said that. So we have the possible beginnings of a new Wolverine catchphrase. Yeah. With Wolverines coming at you. <laughs> and the scene I'm referring to is when Colossus throws him back up through the window. Oh, yeah. And we also have a thing where uh, earlier, where Iron Fist is talking about Wolverine and fighting Wolverine. And he says, doesn't the man ever get tired? His sheer animal ferocity reminds me of Sabretooth. Could there be a connection? Yep. So that makes me think the very early on, Chris Claremont did intend for him to be an X-Men villain or 
for them to have a shared history. Yeah. But the only drawback to that is, I, you know, I already mentioned it's almost three years before Sabretooth shows back up at all. But um, Well, it could still be that, like you said, that he's just a modeled on Wolverine character. Yeah, and maybe. it's not necessarily they're going to have the deep history that we get, but that, that maybe there's some kind of connection, just if anything, just in their similarities. Maybe similar mutant, similar mutation, or... Because, I, I mean, I, I, I think that they did intend for that. But it is weird that it's three years before he comes uh, back, so... Right. Well, not only that, but it's almost ten years before Wolverine and Sabretooth ever see each other in a comic book. Hmm. I mean, ten. I think if he's intending for them to have a connection, that's a long time. Because they yeah. first meet each other in Uncanny X Men 213, which is January of 1987. And this is September of 77. So I guess it's really closer to nine years. But that's still a long time. It's a long time to, to plant this seed and not come back to it at all. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean,. So, I still think feasibly it could be something he in the back of his mind. Right. And he wanted that, but just, or just never had a chance to really do yeah, it. Yeah, maybe it just not. never worked out or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I never thought it was interesting that because I knew before I read this that Sabretooth was around a long time before he fought Wolverine. I was unaware because I've never read this issue before. I was unaware that they mentioned the connection this early. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't remember that either. So. That was interesting. Yeah. All right. So, what do you want to rate this one? Well, I I like this one. The art is really good. Yeah, art's fantastic. The story's good. It's not great, but it's good. Yeah, it's kind of okay. It's kind of a cheesy story, but I think it's it's one of those after you have an intense right after you have an intense arc, then you throw a you know kind of lighthearted. And this one was kind of lighthearted. And I think the party was supposed to be like their downtime. Yeah. Supposed to be but the back from the show. As Empire. usual, their downtime goes awry. That's right. Because of a classic hero versus hero misunderstanding. Right. And although it's um, it's a little cheesy, it is cool to see everyone fight. Right. And you get to see all the X Men, the full on new X Men, fighting it out, using their powers together, teamwork against Iron Fist. But but that way they don't have to introduce a new villain and a plot, and it's just you just get a you just get a bunch of cool fight scenes. Right. And then they can all wrap it up with, <laughs> I had no idea. We're right. all good guys. And then but, they have a party. Yeah. I will say, other once the X-Men show up, it kind of feels more like an X-Men book than an Iron Fist book. Yeah, it definitely. Which, I mean, I guess you get some of that because Chris Claremont wrote both. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Well, and I wonder if... I wonder if when I read this, I thought this, if they, if Claremont knew that this book was ending, they, or the Iron Fist was ending. I don't on know his if he own. did necessarily when he started writing the script. There's a big thing in the back about how it's the last issue and to fall, or not in the back, it's somewhere in here in the yeah. letters. Because it doesn't seem like to follow Iron Fist over. And they're going to conclude the story about this, the dragon guy and Marvel team up. And then Iron Fist will continue in, uh, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah. It just seemed like a weird ending. It did because yeah. it's not related to really anything. And definitely kind of abrupt. It's kind of random. It's just kind of a, a slight callback to the his girlfriend that he broke up with. Right. But then the X Men. It was just kind of a weird. 
it's almost like they planned that as a way to try to to boost sales for Iron Fist. Right. But then before it came out, had already decided that that wasn't going to work. <laughs> right. And went ahead and switched it up. I don't know. Yeah, moved him over. Yeah, I don't know. Strange. It's interesting. But it's, I, overall, I, I, I think I'll give it a two. I also gave it a two out of three claws. To continue our streak of giving books, exactly <laughs> the same score. Yeah. I didn't want to say the, the, the back page ad is for a movie called Orca <laughs> with Richard Harris in it. And it's about a giant killer whale. Huh. Which, you know, on the right on the heels of Jaws. Yeah. So there's, I don't know. And I'd never heard of it, so I thought it was interesting. But everybody loves Shamu. This is pre-Shamu, <laughs> maybe. So It must be. I don't know. That's funny. All right, cool. Well, um, you know, there's really more. This this episode was really more about Sabretooth. And then we kind of did a yes and <laughs> yeah. uh, episode. Kind of covered just a couple of things. So I don't really know if we... Was there anything that jumped out about you as far as the adding to the lore of Wolverine? Other than introducing a future arch nemesis, is there anything else that jumped out at you as far as, as Wolverine's evolution in these three issues? Not really. Yeah, I didn't really find I mean, he did, Wolverine doesn't do hardly anything in that X-Men comic. Yeah, he gets except, punched into space. <laughs> yeah, he gets punched into space. I guess they they raised the stakes a little bit on the Wolverine Jean Grey soap opera. Okay, yeah. So I guess yeah. that's important. I mean, because that, that establishes, although it's in Iron Fist, so, but it's Chris Claremont, so I guess the idea is you, you can consider that continuity. Right. It changes from him having a crush to... Basically saying he's going to actively try to win her over. Right. Which I don't know how much of that he actually does. but We'll have to, we'll have to see. I'm not sure. Yeah, because I, you know, I think we said this on a previous podcast. I didn't really remember that, that that was really such a big deal. Right. So when I saw it in the movie, they make a big deal out of that. I didn't really remember that much from the comics because right. it, they don't do much with it. In the 90s, I don't think they did much with that. No, they didn't. And I don't know if maybe it's because I was younger and I, I didn't pick up on it as much or if they simply had just kind of let that storyline fade a little bit. Right. So that you could focus more on Wolverine and his and his younger sidekicks. Well, plus, I mean, we're not, I mean, spoiler alert, we're not that far from her death. Well, that's true. Yeah, so, one was 134, 137. Something like that, yeah. Somewhere where he died, she dies. Yeah, that's true. But then she comes back. Yeah. But when but she comes back, the, I don't feel like... She's an X-Factor, and that's... They don't really know. Like, the other X-Men don't really know about X-Factor for a long time. And by the time they kind of find out what's going on, her and Scott are very much like... Yeah. You know, they have they have baby Nathan by that point. True. I guess I guess my point is that by the time when, when she finally comes back around, we get into the 90s. Right. I felt like they don't do anything with that really anymore. And maybe yeah, you're right. Much. Maybe it's because it's been so long and she has the baby and I guess Scott and her get married. Right. When, when uh, I forgot what issue that was. See, I'm trying to remember. I, I mean, I'm kind of in these issues now, so I probably won't reread it right now. But um, cause in the cartoon, Wolverine pitches a giant hissy fit when they get married. Yeah. Do you remember him objecting at all to their wedding in the comic? I comments? don't think so. I just don't. I don't really remember, to be honest. I don't remember that because I because again that's in that period where I'm where I'm saying I don't remember any of that right. being a thing, and it seemed like I would remember that, but maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. Then again, high school reading an issue about wedding. I don't know that. 
we would have cared much either <laughs> Probably way. Probably skimmed over it pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. So let's get into the fighting. But anyway, for, from the purpose of these comics we looked at for the podcast here, I think that that is, I guess, an important part is that right. it kind of it raises the stakes on that a little bit. So that he's going to actively I mean, try to win her back. He's ripping up pictures. He's trying to cut Scott out of her life. Trying to cut Scott so. out. Call Scott a, Scott a spineless wimp. Yeah. Which I think that also escalates up his relationship with Scott. Not directly, but just that it's it's not so much, uh, I don't like Scott's leadership style. I th- He thinks he's too hesitant. It's right. like a, a gutless a, wimp. That's Yeah. It's full lot. on competition mode. Yeah. That's so a lot harsher. he sees himself... As a viable option to win Gene. Yeah. Away from Scott. Yeah. So I guess those are really wrapped up together. Yeah. So yeah, but otherwise, uh, that other than that one aspect, I, yeah, Wolverine we, doesn't do... We get a new costume. Yeah, this, terrible This is a costume. regular costume, it looks like. That I or, sure hope gets gone quickly. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to see. Uh, well, I, I said this off the podcast, but off, off air, but I'm going to say it again for the listener's sake. I wondered if... if, if uh, if there was someone who was trying to do a Spider-Man alien costume kind of thing right. with Wolverine's alien costume, but then people just decided it was dumb and didn't do that. I don't know. I don't know. This is before the Spider-Man alien oh, costume. way, way before, before that. Yeah. So, so it's not obviously the same thing. But but that yeah. idea of it being, having something. Well, costume it costume got off-world. Yeah. And it comes home and, I don't know, the whole like, Caveman, jungle man thing with the the shark tooth necklace or whatnot, shark whatever kind of tooth it is, and the belt. I don't know. I'm I'll be happy when it's gone. I'm not a yeah. fan of it. Well, it's weird, and unless and unless they they demonstrate that it does something, this is why I was saying Spider Man style alien costume. The idea that there's something about it that serves a purpose because it's not cool looking. It's stupid right. looking, which maybe in 19 19- 76, 77 people thought it was awesome. I don't know. But I thought it looked dumb. And I, so to me, it's like, is it, is it just going, is it, is it going to enhance his powers? Is it going to have a connection to the Shi'ar world? Or is this just passion? Right. Are the skulls magic? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like in the storyline, when he gets it, it makes sense. His clothes got obliterated, so he had to wear something. Right. But then now he's home. He's going to a party. Why does he need to wear <laughs> still wear that same suit? Yeah, I think he can just go get another costume from the school. Because ostensibly, he's gone home. He's taken it off. He's probably taken a shower. I would hope You'd so. You'd hope he's washed that outfit, especially since an alien wore it. No offense right. to aliens, but yeah. still. So, you know, he chose to put that back on rather than to go with a regular Wolverine-style costume. Right. Unless maybe he only had one. I don't know. Yeah. It's also interesting that there's no mask on it. Yeah. Kind of for a guy whose face we didn't see for almost three years. Yeah. I guess he's just he's ready for his face time. They can't get they can't get enough of his I'm face. I'm coming now. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think you're right there. All right, what do you think else you want to say? You ready to wrap up? I'm ready when you are. All right, let's wrap it up. Okay, so that's gonna do it for this flashback episode. Uh thanks Cameron for uh, joining us again for that. I appreciate Always. it. One quick note before we do our plugs. John Wilson had posted on the episode thread for year two. And he was saying um, he wanted to let us know that M-Class Planets, we'd asked about that, was another lift from Star Trek. So, oh, okay. Uh, so that's something I just didn't remember not being yeah. a good Trek. Yeah, well, we talked about the Trek versus Star Wars yes. stuff. Yeah. yeah, we did. And he talks about that too. He says it's interesting to note that 
Though the plot of what I call the Xavier, Xavier's Dream arc bears a lot of resemblance at its core to Star Wars, it was begun more than a year before the film debuted. I'm curious now as to which points in the plot had been determined before Claremont saw the film, which ones he knew when he had Xavier dreaming about an alien princess at the beginning of the run. Oh, interesting. So, I thought that was interesting too, because, you know, and I kind of commented back, basically, I don't want to repeat it word for word, because you can go read it. But um, it would be interesting to know, like, uh, I I would love to see, like, his outline for this story. And, and you know he saw Star Wars. It was I'm probably sure. inspired... So at least in degree by it, like anybody who saw it would have been. Right. So it'd be interesting to know like what changes he made. Because I think he had a beginning, middle, and end of the story before he knew of Star Wars. Right. But I'm wondering like what details he might have adjusted after he saw Star Wars, either consciously or unconsciously, to kind of reflect how much he enjoyed the movie. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you thought. But uh but thank you for clarification on the implant. I'm not sure if I'm happy or sad that it is from Star Trek and has nothing to do with mutants, but um, <laughs> anyway, one more Jason Cockamini uh, theory out the window. So, but You'll get one for, right one of these days. Right. But thanks for sharing. I do appreciate the insight as always. And please, listeners, have any uh, insight in anything we say, whether it's wrong or goofy or you think we have a cool idea, let us know. Um. Facebook threads are a great way to do that. No, or that's a nice segue into our plugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you can uh, you can leave a, a iTunes review. You can go to the website and leave comments on there. It's uh, snickcast.podbean.com. You can email snickcast at yahoo.com. You can tweet. We're at snickcast. Or, you know, of course, like I said, Facebook, great way to do that kind of stuff. And that's, uh, you can search for us or we're facebook.com slash snicked podcast fan page. All right, uh, Cameron, anything you want to plug while you're here? Anything going on with your podcast lately? Oh, not much. Uh, if you haven't ever listened to this before, I do a podcast called the History Banter Podcast where we do reviews of movies uh, about basically history, history-themed movies and we talk a little bit about how accurate they are. It's more interesting than that sounds. At least I hope it is. <laughs> I like them. So, but you know, if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out historybanter.com. You can follow follow us at, at @historybanter. You can follow me personally at Cameron Sinclair. I don't tweet much, but I do retweet a lot. So, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too much. I don't know. No, it's, it's the appropriate amount. Appropriate of amount of re- retweets. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. That's it for me, though. All right. Well, um, next episode will be kind of June, kind of a blockbuster month for Wolverine. There's a whole lot of books to cover in the current uh, continuity. So anyway, uh, until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. <laughs> you don't want to tell people bye? What? Are we still recording? <laughs> <laughs> Say bye, dang it. Bye. Bye.